0: Listening to a Drishti Point podcast. Please visit our website for more inspiring interviews on yoga, spirituality, and wellness. Welcome. I'm here in the studio with Brother Nakulananda from the Self Realization Fellowship, and he's here with us today to talk to us about Kriya Yoga. Welcome. Brother Nakulananda, I thought it would be useful for us to learn a little bit more about your background and about your first introduction to Kriya Yoga.
1: Yes, it was very interesting. I was a college student uh, in San Diego, and I was studying um, both hard sciences and uh, the soft sciences. I was a sociology major, and um, I was always searching for truth. And um, in my studies, it was always subjective truth, and I thought, isn't there some objective or absolute truth and I was taking a sociology of religion class and as part of my um, studies and research I ended up going to a self-realization fellowship service in Encinitas, California and that was my first introduction to Paramahansa Yogananda's um, Kriya Yoga teachings and I was just enthralled by it and uh, in his autobiography of a yogi I read something that just a light bulb went off in my, my mind, where he said that truth is no theory, no speculative system of philosophy, no intellectual insight. Truth is exact correspondence with reality. And then he said, for man, truth is unshakable knowledge of his real nature, his self as the soul. And so this is the first time I had read anything like this, and I realized that truth can be found right within us, in the, the soul, our true nature. And it wasn't a matter of belief or dogma or ritual, but he gave an actual, you know, techniques of yoga meditation whereby we could experience our soul nature as peace and as joy. And that was back in 1973, and I've been following this path ever since.
0: Did you immediately begin the practice of Kriya Yoga?
1: Well, I started to take the Self-Realization Fellowship lessons, and you learned some basic preliminary techniques of pranayama, um, which takes about a year of um, study and meditation, and then at the end of one year's of practice, one can apply to receive Kriya Yoga. So after about one year, um, then I received Kriya Yoga initiation in 1974.
0: Often with uh, different kinds of spiritual initiations, there's often... um an agreement to abide by a certain code of ethics or morality was that also the case with you in terms of your initiation with Kriya Yoga?
1: The initiation into Kriya Yoga um, along with receiving the actual technique is the very sacred guru-disciple relationship and so when you take that pledge you are pledging that you will follow um, to the best of your ability the teachings and the practices of Paramount Yogananda and Self-Realization Fellowship. It's sort of like a a baptism into that spiritual path and and that teaching. The um, actual vows um, I didn't take until I became a monk um, a few years later in 1977. And those vows are similar to uh, the vows that Catholic monks take. Uh, We take a vow of simplicity, uh, obedience, uh, loyalty, And chastity.
0: And what impact, going back to your practice of Kriya Yoga, what impact has it had on your life?
1: Well, it's had a a dynamic and powerful impact, probably more than anything else that I've done in this lifetime, whether it's been studies or sports or musical endeavor, the practice of regular daily meditation, um, trying to practice the teachings of my guru, um, all of these things have given me a a deeper peace and serenity, um, a calmness, and really a a center or a a deep anchor whereby uh, one can fulfill all the outward daily responsibilities and activities but from a a center of awareness of um, God's presence within. It's it's really had a, a very powerful impact on my life ever since I started practicing. Not to say that there haven't been challenges in life and ups and downs, because that's the nature of this world of Maya duality, but uh, through this practice uh, of yoga, because one of the definitions of yoga is even-mindedness. So the more we can practice even-mindedness and calmness in the the daily battle of activities, um, the happier we'll become.
0: Do you feel that the practice of Kriya Yoga has led you to the experience of truth that you've been looking for all your life?
1: I would say different levels. You know, it's an ongoing process. Um, not only a lifetime, but it can be lifetimes of practice and endeavor. But um, I'm—I have a greater sense of what the truth is um, just by inner experiences of that reality. So never-ending.
0: It's an ongoing path. Now let's get a little bit more into the actual technique of Kriya Yoga. I know you're giving a lecture this coming Friday at the public library and I know that your guru Paramahansa Yogananda is his book, Autobiography of Yogi, is a classic book and read by many millions of millions of people worldwide. Um, I was rereading the chapter on Kriya Yoga and it struck me it talks about how it works on the spinal centers are these the same as the chakras
1: yes when he refers to the spinal centers it's the same as the, the chakras And chakras um, really means wheel and um, they're referred to as chakras because they're wheels of life energy that emit um, life and consciousness and so there are these six chakras or spinal centers um, in the spine, and then the seventh chakra, which is often referred to as the Sahasrara, which is the thousand-petal lotus in the brain. So there are actually seven chakras, six in the spine and one in the brain. And The practice of kriya is to take the, the life energy or the prana that is always in the body but is normally going outward through the senses and the muscles and the nerves and has contact with this outer world. Through our, um, our five senses. And the practice of pranayama and particularly Kriya Yoga, it reverses the prana that's normally going outward and directed into the spine, into these centers or chakras of life and consciousness. And as one practices over the years, it gradually magnetizes the spine. More and more life energy or prana are brought into those spinal centers, and it gets a stronger and stronger magnet. And that, Paramahansa Yogananda refers to this path as the highway to the infinite. In other words, there are many different religious paths in the world, different teachings, but they all are by-paths, and finally, everyone is going to lead to the final highway to the infinite, which is the spine and the brain, because that is where the consciousness,
0: When you talk about the spinal centers, I know also in the book it talks about the astral body. Is it having an effect on subtler and finer levels of our being, or is there actually a physical effect as well?
1: It's both physical and primarily astral. The, all the atoms of the body are being recharged, as as in the the breathing exercise of kriya. Um, more oxygen is brought into the body, and that oxygen is converted into prana, which is directed into the the spinal centers. Um, But what is actually happening is that the life energy is also revolving in the astral spine because, as Paramahasaji explains, the the soul, each one of us is a soul, we're a spark of that infinite essence of God, is encased in this physical body of flesh and bones, and there's a subtler body of the astral body, which is of light and energy. And then there's even a subtler body called the causal body or the, uh, the body of ideas. And the whole purpose of life in the spiritual path is to gradually rise above all uh, the need for coming back to the physical world, uh, in a physical form and then the astral world in an astral form and the causal world in a causal form and then uniting with spirit.
0: That's, I think, a wonderful way to um, summarize a spiritual path. And I've heard the definition of yoga as just that: is union um, with universal spirit.
1: Yoga is, yeah, yoga is union of the little joy of the soul, which each one of us is, with that vast bliss of spirit. And each one of us is, is here on earth for no other purpose. You know, we, there are other things that we accomplish in this world, but the supreme purpose for which we come back to this world again and again is to finally realize our, our true self, our divinity, that's our divine heritage, our birthright.
0: In the last part, you were talking about the importance of controlling prana and directing it inward. Can you speak a little bit more about how prana works and what would be the purpose of directing and controlling prana?
1: Prana, we're surrounded by, we're actually living in a sea of cosmic energy or prana all the time. And there's the general prana all around us, and there's specific prana which, which is within the body. And so, as I mentioned earlier, oftentimes the energy that's in the body is, goes outward and is, is diffused out through the senses as we're seeing and tasting and touching and hearing and so forth. And this prana is actually intelligent life energy. It's, mm. it's not doesn't have self consciousness, but oh, it does this. have intelligence because God set it up that way. That this prana or energy um, is the building block of everything within creation, and so there's an intelligence that forms the plants and animals and, and everything that's living. And so this prana really is the the basis of our lives and. Um, We are not essentially these human bodies because they're born and they pass away, but we are essentially the life and the consciousness within these bodies. The life meaning the prana. So, if we can gain control of that life force or that prana and not waste it in the outer senses, but turn it inward to those centers of life and consciousness in the spine and the brain, then we are gradually experiencing higher and higher states of consciousness and so the the goal of the yogi is to more and more live within and to um, actually experience god's consciousness right within us and in the the lecture i'll be giving on friday night one of the the keys or the themes is that as jesus said the kingdom of god is within you of and and to so everything that we are seeking, all the fulfillment and happiness throughout our accomplishments. Even though you know they bring some satisfaction, some peace, they're effervescent. They're not lasting. The only thing that is lasting is the, the bliss and the, the peace and the joy of God that is found within. And so that's why, you know, okay. two thousand years ago Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. And Parmahasiji explains that Jesus had given a a technique that was very similar to Kriya Yoga to his close Mm -hmm. disciples. Mm -hmm. And that's why um, St. John could write about those seven stars or seven churches. And he was referring, it was an allegory, referring to that yogic science and those centers of life and consciousness within the spine and the brain. Mm -hmm.
0: So the purpose is to really Mm -hmm. use that prana to access higher states of consciousness which can help us to reveal our our true nature. Absolutely, exactly. And okay. Yes. You mentioned yes. earlier and you've mentioned several times our purpose in being here. I think our what purpose I'm gonna in going to play a song after um, this. Can we'll you talk a little bit about interview. so we have more time okay. about the purpose then, of human life. You'll leave it up yes, it is, it's and that is
1: so I'm important because most of the world uh, has no idea now. why we are here. And people, a, we and um, um, have a place living, place. we work, we have families, um, and we accomplish certain things, but people are still not satisfied with their lives. There's always something missing because everything is temporal. The first lecture that Paramahansa Yogananda gave when he came to this country in 1920, and it's printed in a book that uh, we published called The Science of Religion, he explained in that very first lecture in Boston in 1920 the purpose of life. He said, the purpose of life is the avoidance of all suffering and pain, meaning physical, mental, and spiritual, and the attainment of bliss. And that is, that is why each one of us is here. And ultimately, we all have to come to that realization that we are beings of light and energy and our true nature is, is peace and bliss. And every human being is seeking that, but unfortunately, is seeking it in the wrong avenues. And that's why, that's why we, uh, get burned so often is because we're looking for, um, that happiness, and mm-hmm. things that cannot ultimately give it to us.
0: And this, again, comes back to your point about looking ex- looking internally rather than looking externally.
1: Exactly, because we are not these bodies, we are not the senses. Those are only like graphs on the soul, which is our true mm-hmm. nature. And so we can get some temporal satisfaction through the senses and through accomplishments and through material things. But, you know, once we have some um, happiness or satisfaction from those things, then it dissipates. The only thing that will not dissipate, the only thing that is truly lasting, is the joy that is buried within the soul. And every great saint, prophet, avatar down through the ages uh, have given the same message. Krishna said 5,000 years ago to his disciple Arjuna, he said, Oh Arjuna, get away from my ocean of suffering. There was another um, great yogi that um, told his disciple, go within, go within in meditation. And that, that's the key, the essence of Paramahansa Yogananda's teachings, is go within through yoga meditation. And then we can fulfill our uh, God-given responsibilities to our families, to our communities, <clears throat> and to the world from that that center of peace and calmness and awareness of God's presence within us. And that's living a truly balanced life. Yogananda often talked about um, in the the Gita, says that life should be a balance of meditation plus right activity. And what is right activity but activity that is doing some good in the world? (coughs) We have the consciousness of God with us.
0: Now you've mentioned <clears throat> you've mentioned God and you've also mentioned self-realization. Are they the same?
1: Yes, in the sense that self-realization is with a capital s, meaning that's our higher self. Um, and there's our lower self, which is the ego, which is the higher self identified with the body and this person our personality. The higher self is the soul. and the soul is that image. Of God. So when one achieves that state of self realization, um, he's achieved that state of of God realization. It's really one of the same.
0: Now, I'm wondering about. whether, <clears throat> in your opinion, it's important to have a guru or to commit to a, a specific spiritual path in order to make progress.
1: Yes, um, I believe it is uh, It's vital. Um, when one wants to um, be successful in any endeavor, whether it's in art or music or academics, uh, one needs a teacher to follow, to teach him. And it's the same thing with the spiritual path. Um, God doesn't come to his children outwardly in the beginning, but he sends the guru. And the guru is one who has walked the path, who has um, realized that divine state. And he comes back to earth to show uh, the rest of us the way back to God. And so the teachings of India are very um, explicit about the importance of a guru to guide the disciple or the devotee through a certain path or sadhana, um, specific steps to take. And um, that is really essential to have a a true guru because, as our guru said, um, the guru is the speaking voice of silent God. And so his teachings, the teachings of God, come through the guru. And there are many... um, true paths and, and there are true gurus there aren't a whole lot of them there are some that profound that, uh, that they are but um, to be a true guru one has to achieve that state of liberation of oneness with God
0: do you ever wish or that you had actually met in person Paramhansa Yogananda
1: <laughs> yes uh, it would have been wonderful to have had that blessed experience to actually see him in the physical form, and and some people after he did leave his body would say, "Oh, I I want a living guru." Well, one of the attributes uh, of a of a true guru is that he he is omnipresent, he is omniscient, and he is omnipotent. And so, um, even though it would have been nice to have been in a physical presence, it's not necessary because the guru can help the disciple, no matter on what plane the disciple is on or what plane the guru is on. The important thing is that attunement. And the attunement with the guru comes by following his teachings and especially by following um, practicing meditation and in our particular path, uh, Kriya Yoga Meditation.
0: And do you feel the, even though Paramahansa Yogananda has left his body, do you still feel his presence when you meditate and when you do your sadhana? How lovely for you! You know, when I when I first read the book, um, I find I I find this the case of all self realized people that in their picture, I am so drawn to just gaze into the eyes of what you see in the picture.
1: Yes, it's very profound, isn't it? Because he. His picture on the cover of the Autobiography of a Yogi have drawn many, many people. They pick it up for the first time and they say, "Um, I know that man. Uh, There's that instant recognition.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: George Harrison was one that he's drawn to this path, and he said that the first time he looked at Yogananda's eyes, he said he just zapped me with his eyes. Mm. So we have many, many pictures of Yogananda, and that's part of our meditation is just to look at his his picture and to try to uh, attune with vital part of the spiritual path. In fact, Yogananda said that on the Kriya Yoga path, he turned out the the airplane route because it was a a quick way to get back to God. And he said that Kriya Yoga is the airplane, that the pilot is the guru, and that the fuel that you put in the plane is devotion.
0: Mm. And
1: so Kriya Yoga is not just a, a cold, hard science, but Um, there has to be that love and that longing and devotion for God that comes through interiorizing the consciousness and the practice of meditation. And then when we're inside, that is the time that we pour out our heart in love and devotion for God. Because I think that is one of the things that is so much missing in the world today is that, that love for God.
0: Do you feel that the practice of Kriya Yoga has opened up in you or awakened the compassion and love that is also a part of our, um, of human nature?
1: Yes, I think it has. Um, As one meditates and feels that presence of God within and feels a greater peace, one begins to realize that um, we're all connected and that if we hate another person or we hold some type of resentment toward another person, we're actually hurting ourselves. But when we can uh, send out vibrations of love and harmony and peace to other people, with all your heart
0: Brother Nikulananda, it's been so wonderful to um, have you with us on the show and listen to the wisdom and insight that you that you share with us. I'm wondering if you can maybe end with a quote from Paramahansa Yogananda.
1: You put me on the spot a little bit, but let me see if I, I may have to paraphrase it, but one of my favorite passages from Paramahansa Ji's autobiography is near the end where he says, God is love. His plan for creation can be rooted only in love. Does not that thought rather than erudite reasoning bring solace to the human soul? It all those who have found God have realized that there's a divine universal plan and it's beautiful and full of joy.
0: That is a most beautiful thought to leave us with. Thank you so much for being with us on Drishti Point. For listening to Drishti Point, we dedicate our efforts to the health and happiness of our listeners and for the health and happiness of all living beings.